Work out what your people want. What do they want in their heart? What are they trying to achieve? Firstly, you have to know them and understand their desires, what's important to them, but then you also have to supply that and to promote that you've supplied that. We are continually asking our people to repeat I know that sounds ridiculous, but hey, they have to be reminded of the opportunity. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. We're going to take a little uh, pivot into the world of trading today with the amazing Louise Bedford. Louise, thanks for joining us. Tim, it's great to be here. I'm loving your podcast. As a fellow podcast host, we have to do what we can to encourage and cheerlead. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, look, it's much easier than writing books, isn't it? Although we're going to get into that in more details as well. Louise is the founder of thetradinggame.com.au. The link to that will be in the show notes. And she's the best-selling author of not one, not two, but five best-selling books on the stock market and a behavioral finance expert with degrees in psychology and business. You're busy. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's fantastic. I love this because, you know, it's not just all about trading, uh, but trading is one of those uh, mechanisms, I guess, that gives us the freedom to do other things. Like for you, it's uh, spending time with your children and and your husband lifting gym, uh, lifting weights at the gym, lifting gyms at the weights, uh, and enjoying <laughs> yoga. Now, I want to I want to take you back. Now, one of the reasons I actually I really wanted to interview Louise is back in the day. Now, uh, you know, this is going back to my high school years, which is um, more years ago than I can count. <laughs> I uh, I was going to be Gordon Gecko, and uh, Charlie. What was was Charlie Sheen's character's name? The other one. Bud. Bud? Was it Bud? <laughs> Can't remember now. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to quickly uh Google it while we while we're chatting. But I was I was uh I was, was gonna that was gonna be my thing. I was gonna be a trader back in the day. How did you get into I did not know that about you, Tim. Oh yeah, well um I never you know, I was never gonna be a firefighter or anything like that. All right. Bud Fox, there we go. I mean it was Bud something. Um, I was never going to be a, a firefighter or a policeman or something. That's my brother's kind of pursued that. My sister was always going to be a diplomat, right? She's uh, she's followed in my grandfather's footsteps in that regard. But my first fascination, in fact, my first business mentor, as some of our listeners know, was was um, Uncle Scrooge, <laughs> right? And my golden book, he, I still remember this day, he rode his rowboat around his money pit. And then sort of dive off and have this sort of absolute blast, and this is going to be the fun thing, right? And of course, eighties, nineteen eighty-seven, as I was, uh, you know, very impressionable, sort of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen-year-old, I thought, oh my god, how cool is this, right? You know, they look, they look very sharp. They got their sort of double-breasted suits on. 
You know the giant mobile phones? <laughs> and also the um, putting all of that money onto the bed and doing like a snow angel. That's my memory. Yes, it's so good. How did you get? How did you get into it? What were your? What was your inspiration for getting into understanding trading in a big way? Well, look, many, many moons ago, when I was also an impressionable teenager, my sister's boyfriend at the time said he's got a sure thing. And strangely, that sure thing did come off. So my very first trade, I don't even count this usually. I'm just telling you because we're bonding over our teenage years. My first trade was at 16 and I put in some money and it went up, my friend, times five. So that got my attention. My dad was an investor and we had our lives changed in year 11 for me back then. And it was incredible. Some trade came in and we moved house. Dad bought a boat. We got a second car. All of a sudden we could shop in actual shops instead of mum sewing everything. So all of that fed in to my mindset. I do think that is the basis of why I started trading at about the age of 20. There was a seminar involved where somebody said, how you make your money is you can get involved in property, in the share market and in business. And the ideal aspect is to combine all three. But if you're only going to do one, do the share market because you can't sell off one room in a house. Wow, it blows my mind. So all of these things sort of fed into this ultimate fulcrum of that seesaw where I tipped over and put actual money into the market. Do you think you, if that in that first investment that hadn't been um, as successful, that you would have still had that interest in investing? Ooh, well, that's interesting. It definitely piqued my interest because I thought, yes, there's definite money here, but I do think I was destined for this because there were so many other things pointing in that direction. And the main one is being brought up in relative poverty did help because I knew I didn't want to be like that. I do remember at one stage, my grandmother, who she was such an influence in my life. She said to me, she who makes the gold makes the rules. And that to me spoke very, very loudly. I knew I wanted to be rich from a very young age. My favorite toy was a tiny little coffin, which was a money box and a skeletal hand reached out, grabbed the coin and swept it into the grave. So I used to put money there and the little hand would grab the money and I loved that thing. So I think I've always had an affinity with money, with looking for ambitious ways to be able to spread my influence and security as well. So all of that really, I think, coalesced into me being totally prepared to jump on that opportunity. I think it's a really interesting thing how we look at how our childhood has really influenced a kind of our relationship with money and or with business or investing, or or anything like that. I mean, I don't remember. I think I, from from my memory anyway, I, I grew up in a reasonably middle class uh, family. I went to a private school. I didn't have it super tough. Um, I don't remember it ever being difficult as a kid. 
But my parents wow. tell me stories where, uh, you know, there were plenty of nights where they had to put Vegemite on toast and that was dinner, right? And maybe it's because I liked Vegemite on toast. Now, for American friends, you probably won't like Vegemite because you spread it too thick, like <laughs> the barest of, of, of touches of Vegemite and lots of butter and you're good. Um, but I, I, I do kind of think that, that our relationship with money as a, in our formative years as a teenager and certainly as, you know, a nine, ten-year-old, um, that you know that's really impacted our view on on wealth on wealth creation, and I um I, I I'm still kind of remembering a story actually probably about twelve years ago. My son was seven years old. We'd only just moved to where we live right now, and uh, he oh, I called myself. He disappeared from the house one day. Okay. Quality parenting moment right now. We've got a house with 10 external doors, so it's very easy to walk out. It's wherever you want to. And my wife was out at work, and she came home, and she said, you know, where's where's James? And I got him, I don't know, probably watching TV or something, you know, playing his PlayStation. And uh, no, turns out he was not at the house, and he was not hiding in the garden. He wasn't playing hide-and-secret or something. He'd actually gone out uh, doing door-to-door sales. Right, to what did he sell? He was selling loom bands. I don't know if you remember those. Well, I do uh, remember those. Rubber band bracelets. Oh, my gosh. So he made up a bunch of rubber band bracelets, and he went out and decided to sell them door to door. Now, it's just the, the thing as an adult that we find it very difficult to knock on doors, get rejected, and you know go to the next door and, and, and try it again. He ended up making about 50 bucks all up over two days. Right? The first day, didn't got in trouble. Second day, he went out again and did it again. <laughs> That he improved this, his skills. See, that's well, this, the good this part time about the having... referral strategy, right? Yes. So I actually suggested too, you know, when you knock on someone's door, ask for the neighbor's name. Ask for their name, right? So when you knock on the neighbor's door, you can say, Jim next door said... Genius. The natural response as parents is to say, no, don't do that. You're grounded, right? And um, you know, my wife and I caught ourselves in that moment and said, okay, well, if you're going to do this, what would be a better way of you know, making this money. And I think that's a really important lesson as we as adults can learn, but also pass on to our children. Not The default isn't no, it's what would be a better way to achieve the outcome that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that you do with your trading methodology as well, because sometimes we don't get it right. Do we? Yes, that is gold, Tim, that you're already providing beautiful value because this simulcast because it's going on to your podcast as well as my podcast. My podcast is talkingtrading.com.au and your podcast is more clients, less effort. So this is great because we're providing value already for each other's audiences. One of the things that I like as our combination is that we both are very system oriented. And I want to talk a bit about that too, because your story about your child is actually developing a system even at that young age. So I'd like your thoughts on this. Thinking about systems, I teach the people who train with me, members of my mentor program, I teach those people that there are actually three systems that we need to look at in order to be successful. The first system is about the share market. So that is your trading plan, 
your entry, your exit, your position sizing, the specifics about how you get in, how you get out, how much money to put into each position, including what you do with that money once you start making money. And if you're making losses, how you handle that. So that's the market system. And I can run around like a little chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You can write that into your trading plan if that's what you so desire. But if it's written in your trading plan, then you can do it right? So it's all premeditated aspects to pop onto paper in the cold light of day. So we're ignoring that very hot state. We're using our cold state when we're not in the markets to be able to have that pure logical decision making. So that's system one. System two is systems to do with your home life, with your relationships, with your community. So how do you make sure that your spouse is looked after if this is a situation because not all of us have a spouse that's on board with our overall goals? So what's our system for dealing with that? What's our system for dealing with our friendships? Because sometimes when we start out earning our friends, that can put pressure on the friendship. So systems to do with those relationships that are the most important to you. And then the third type of system that I like to encourage people to consider is your personal systems. So how do you look after yourself? What's your self-care? How do you continually stay motivated? What do you do to recover after you've experienced a really big profit or a really big loss? What are the personal things such as morning journaling, such as aspects that involve fun, What can you do to encourage your vessel of your body to maintain its performance and achieve its very best year after year? Because we are talking about something that involves a grind. This is not a one-off. You make the money and then you buy Portugal and off you go. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Portugal's actually for sale, but you know... (laughs) Oh, it's not? Oh, I could be wrong there. I'm not in real estate. (laughs) (laughs) This is something, as with your own business, that you need to do year after year and that grind can wear you down and it can lead to things like burnout. So, Tim, what are your thoughts about those three Yeah, look, I I completely agree with you. Um, Yeah. As you were were saying that, um, you know, like even trading, you know, if you just look at sort of the world creation system, right? You know, most of us has a system where we get up and we go to work. We're not even a government town where this is like the norm, right? And for for most people, it is. Right? Um, if if you, you you know you know people in your life who are like this, they get up, they go to work, and they you know they spend the first hour of every day um, working just for the privilege of driving their car to and from and and paying for parking, and then the second hour is paying for. The, the tax man and the third hour is paying for all the food and the fourth hour and right and you finally get to hour seven in the day and that's the bit you get to keep for yourself right and and I was reflecting on on some of the things you were saying there um Louise about that sort of wealth building system um that you've got right whether it's a business whether it's property whether it's um you know whether it's trading you know you've, you've got to have a system for me my system for trading is always you know buy reasonably good blue collar stocks and hold them for a long time. I started that system when I was two and my parents invested in some Commonwealth Bank shares and I added more over time and I sold all those, you know, my early twenties and bought a house. And so that was my system 
that I that I did. I didn't kind of go too crazy. I didn't look at some of the sort of the more advanced trading techniques and, and stuff like that. But it was my system, and that's something I was comfortable with. There's lots of parts of that, though, that are, are tweakable here, and then I want you to continue on with your thought. So firstly, for everybody listening that is looking to get involved in the financial markets, definitely finding a way, as Tim did, to add more to winning positions or pyramiding is a fantastic way to go. Doing this over the long term, fabulous. But the thing that we need to do is to really define how to get into how to get out of and how much money to put into each position. So I'd love to refine that system over time and see how you go now, Tim, but continue on. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's, that's, that, that was my system, right? I, I converted it into my first property, which was good. I doubled that within three years, doubled that again, doubled that again, right? And so, um, and then one of the things that I noticed, I think a lot about, um, you know, whenever I looked at things like the the Business Review Weekly Rich 100, it was people who'd made money in business and then made wealth through property. So that was my system that I follow. Okay. Could it be better? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but you are right. You know, we have all sorts of different systems that we do. And the more, the more I think we, the more we focus on systems, whether they be business systems for your sales and marketing, whether they be, you know, wealth building systems, whether they be personal systems, whatever they are for you, um, the more we can kind of get a predictable outcome. And that's what we're really looking for. We're looking, we don't necessarily need to maximize the outcome all the time, although that would be great, right? But we're, I think what most people are looking for, Louise, is just security of a predictable outcome. If I do this in six months' time, that's where I'll be. In 12 months' time, that's where I'll be. In five years' time, that's where I'll be. You know, because we, we're surrounded by so many uncertainties. But, you know, the more we can put, create predictability, the more likely we are to be, have some certainty and some safety, which is one of those fundamental, you know, needs that people have. Yeah, I'm loving that. I think that predictability aspect is so important because we have to, first of all, make the plans to look into the future, imagine our future selves and imagine, are we going to be happy with those outcomes? And secondly, we need to execute those plans. So that's working right back into the minutiae of everyday life. So what you're saying does make a lot of sense. Mm. What's the system you use? I mean, I'm curious from a from a customer acquisition perspective, what's, what do you... Yeah, let's talk about the business side. So yep. just to give you the broad overview, my husband has decided to go into the property development side. So we've got the property side looked after. And of course, I'm involved slightly, but that isn't my major focus. That's his major focus. Thank goodness, because if it was up to me, I don't know if I would have gone there because it's too many things juggling, you know, spin those plays. The financial markets is my game, of course. And then with the business side of things, let's put on that business hat. Then I've got my tradinggame.com.au website. And that's where we train people to make money out of the stock market. And I've also got talkingtrading.com.au, which is my podcast. So in terms of how do I get my clients, how do I build up that lovely asset of community, what I do is I rely based on not only the people who come to me from my books, not only the people that come to me from my podcast, 
podcasts, but I heavily rely on my people in my community to refer. Now, we have had the best people come through because they're buddies with or they worked with or they're the cousin of. And that to me is extremely fulfilling. Sure, it's the quickest way to go. And when you're starting out in business, that can be a challenge. But sometimes all it takes is for you to ask. Ask, who do you know that? You know, who else could I help that is in a similar situation to you? That I think is a forgotten secret of success for business owners. They tend to underestimate the importance of looking after their people and they overestimate the importance of spreading their word far and wide like a spray gun, hoping that a bullet will hit the next person. So I do think a little bit of focus on your existing people can make all the difference. What do you think makes your community really work well? Yeah. We made a decision many years ago. My mentor program has been running for, well, since the year 2000, so 24 years well, we're coming up for. We decided to make it a repeat for free course. Now, nobody's doing this because they <laughs> clearly have worked out that a weekend course pays them more money. Why not just take that money and run? But it doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't sit well with my business partner, Chris Tate. We like to look after people and keep working for them for free until they hit their goals. Now, in being able to relate this for your audience, it is work out what your people want. What do they want in their heart? What are they trying to achieve? Firstly, you have to know them and understand their desires, what's important to them, but then you also have to supply that and to promote that you've supplied that. Yeah. So we are continually asking our people to repeat I know that sounds ridiculous, but hey, they have to be reminded of the opportunity and they have to be uh, continually reinforced with the idea that we are in this together. And I think that that is a huge foundation of our success. We stayed loyal to our values. We stayed loyal to the idea that there are so many people out there in disreputable share market trading firms, prop trading, for example, that they churn and burn. And we didn't want to do that. So all those years later, we've got people who've repeated the course 23, 24 times, even more because we've used to run it more than once a year. Now we only do it once a year. So to me, in summary, work out what your clients want, work out how you can fulfill that and continually reinforce that you are fulfilling that for your existing community. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. I think it's one of those things that um, you know, the industry as a whole kind of, I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about trading, I'm talking about marketing and business here, that we overlook the importance of customer retention and having a system yes. around customer retention. Um you know, so much of of marketing is about get me more leads, get me more leads. In fact, it's it's a thing that I've heard uh, repeated at me ad nauseum over the last uh, twenty nine years that I've been in digital marketing in the digital marketing space. I need more leads. Okay, well, no, you don't need more leads. I mean, and, and look, to be fair, you probably do need more leads, but it's only because you've got a really sort of immature conversion system and you've got an immature retention system. 
Mm. And you have to keep filling this leaky bucket, right? And, And most of us who have been in business for any length of time have seen the image of the leaky bucket. Water goes in the top, it all flows out, and then you you know you try and get the few drops left over for yourself. It's super inefficient, and that's what systems are all about. The systems are about putting a process in place into your business, into your life, into your trading, you know, process that you can assess and improve over time. Mm, and so, I love if, you've it. Got, mm. if you've got a business that is constantly leaking opportunity out, right? If you want to have this thing long term and make it a little bit easier and a little bit more predictable with yourself, the acquisition of clients is just one part. Good. Okay. Look at how you're converting those clients. And particularly, I guess in your case, Louise, how do we retain them? What's a system that we can put in place to retain them? And if that system is just like give people lifetime access to the stuff they've already bought and encourage them to keep revisiting it. You know, that's awesome because what that does is it reinforces the value and builds that positive word of mouth off the back of that. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And the other aspect, just as you're talking, that's occurred to me is in business, we often have that word avatar on our mind. So in business, an avatar is your ideal type of client. What does your client look like that? you want to work with but also wants to work with you so ideally looking at that avatar before you even put one dollar into advertising is the best way to go because you'll work out how to appeal to that avatar now the parallel with this is in trading i'm looking for an archetypal trade i have got this ideal perfect marriage material trade, print it out, and there might be even more than one. Actually, I have three. But that archetype is the purest, gorgeous, most perfect chart that I could possibly find. And for that chart, how have I traded it? So that is the equivalent of avatar. Now, often traders think that they need to keep on pursuing new opportunity after new opportunity. They think they have to get more and more short term until they're up against their computer screen, just seeing pixels and they can't see the big picture like a two-year-old watching TV. So I do encourage traders to step back, match their archetype directly so that there is no wiggle room and you are entering those perfect trades time and time again. And once you're in that perfect trade, to throw yourself at it, to pyramid in, keep on adding money to it and that longer term, more macro, more mature view ends up making more money than those very short-term day traders every single time. And that's the same with business owners. That avatar has to be first and foremost in your mind and you also have to be in alignment as well. So if you can examine your values, work out what's really important to you, how do you fit in the world, how do you enjoy interacting with people and match those values to your avatars, then your commitment to those people will not only be definitely in alignment, but your marketing words, your copy or your pitch, if you like, will also touch their hearts and it will be much more effective. Absolutely. Louise, I um, love to finish our podcast with a quick fire. 
And I have not warned you of these questions in advance like I do with some people. <laughs> um, no, I like this approach. Let's see, let's see where we go. Let's see how many of these stump you. Um, but uh, what's a funny story that your family tells about you that you're open to sharing? Nah, I am very much known for losing my way. So I geographically am very, very challenged. Many, many times I have walked completely in the wrong direction and even gone into the guys' toilets because I thought they were the ladies because I was pretty sure it was on the left, but no, it was on the right. To be fair, it's a shorter line. Yeah, damn, you know. So, yeah, I've surprised a few men in my time. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) What's a common myth about your field of expertise? The myth is you have to be good at mathematics. So many people have been terrified of the share market because they think they have to be a maths whiz. It is certainly not the case. You need a basic level of two plus two, but it can all be looked after by spreadsheets. You don't have to be directly attuned to maths in order to make a good buck. I do love me a good spreadsheet. Yes. What's uh what's one thing about your business over the last 24 odd years that you didn't expect? I never expected that I would watch my clients and me grow old. We have had quite a few people refer children, quite a few people refer their parents, but we have also had people refer not only their parents, but also their children. So we have got three generations of people learning in the same family from us. And that I had no idea would be so rewarding to be involved and to stay involved in these clients' lives, to watch them excel and achieve, to see them through the money that the markets bring in, change where they live, where they send their children to school, the types of cars they drive, the holidays they go on, that companionship that can be focused on and elevated once money is looked after so that to me is a surprise because it's 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 a testament to the work that you do with your clients but i think um without a doubt and it's a big driver for me as well we go into business to create an impact on the people around us right and to make their world better and um and certainly yeah when you bring in multi-generational um, you know, family groups. Certainly, that uh, that tells me that you're doing that incredibly well. What's your favourite productivity hack for entrepreneurs? Set an alarm. So I, if left to my own devices, would be a procrastinator. But there's a couple of things that I really enjoy to help overcome that desire. One is a countdown. So to get myself out of bed, as ridiculous as this sounds, I give myself a countdown like I was about to launch a rocket, baby. So I do five, four, three, two, one, da-dum, up. There I am, the day can start. Now, it adds a touch of drama, but it does get me out of bed. And I've noticed when I don't do that, that is a difficulty. But once I'm up and running and I do have that big 
ta-da list, not the to-do list. That's very boring. I have a ta-da list. So my ta-da list is as long as anybody's. And to get through those, I imagine how long it will take for that task. And then I set an alarm and I try and beat that alarm so that once that alarm goes, that task can be ticked off. And I take a massive dopamine pleasure in ticking that off my list. Yeah, I love that. I think for me, it would be my calendar. I can't live without my calendar right now. If it's not in there, it doesn't happen. That's one of the it. things I like, I've got a big whiteboard on, on that I bought from the you know, next government warehouse one, you know, sale once. And uh, one thing I like to do is come in and write three things that I need to do today, just on the whiteboard. And once I've ticked like off those that. three things, the day's done. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Okay. I could actually knock off yeah. for the day. I'd get those three things <laughs> away. And if you think about that, right? if you did that, you know, over the course of the year, that'd be 600 things that you've improved. Yeah. You got team, it'll be even more. Yeah. Louise, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on More Clients, Less Effort and Simulcast on uh, Talking Trading. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today and uh, I look forward to catching up soon. It has been a pleasure, Tim. I've known you for many years. I do very much enjoy our chats on LinkedIn. Now, for everybody thinking, hmm, what can I do for Louise and Tim? They've provided such value. I really do feel they've made a difference to my day. You know what you can do? You can give us a review, preferably on Apple Podcasts, but also through Google. So we would love that, wouldn't we, Tim? Wouldn't that bring joy to your heart? We absolutely would. Share with someone who likes you sell to someone with you like who would get value from this. That yes, that referral idea is alive and well. So, Tim, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much for your wisdom about systems. Thanks very much, Liz. We'll chat soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Hold up. 